0: stand up
1: So welcome Welcome to church, virtual church. Um, some of the history of churches, I don't know if I've said this to you before, um, started in uh, storefronts, started in people's living rooms. So this is just our, um, our um, the, the, this, this generation's or this, uh, the 2000s ver- uh, version of a whole different kind of church. So glad to see you all today on a day that promises some sun and some warmth after that little cold snap that we had. Uh, Welcome. Anybody have any announcements?
2: David Rink, always has an announcement. I
3: always
4: have an announcement. Hold on, hold
3: on. Where did he go? Oh, there he is. Okay, well, I beat him to it this time, but he'll can he he'll be next. <laughs> I just wanted to remind people that Rob Ross will be with us next week.
4: Oh, that's good. Go
5: ahead.
4: So I'm on, and uh, we're having our Course in Miracles group, uh, which is now on Spotify and on YouTube yep. uh, every Friday at 11 o'clock eastern time uh we're now in 10 different countries mm-hmm, something like that. uh so word is getting out and uh the uh, you're more than welcome to participate if you want the coordinates you can call or text me at 774-365-1945
1: and if anyone is concerned they can always google reverend dr david h ranke and he will come up with all their uh Past, uh, Unitarian Church services and Course in miracles.
6: Okay.
1: Okay. okay.
3: We lost you for a minute
6: there. <laughs> Can you hear
3: us?
1: Oh, you lost you lost me. Oh,
3: no, we lost everybody.
1: Oh, oh, <laughs> a bunch of okay. other
3: things came onto the screen. <laughs> oh. I was clicking on things, but wondering whether we were still there or not. We're still there.
1: Yeah, you're still here on my screen anyway. Okay. Good. All right. So our chalice lighting. This is sort of a homemade thing here that I did this morning. At times, our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. The in, in, invocation is from Metasutra, which is. Um, a Buddhist um, discussion, a Buddhist practice. Let us cultivate boundless goodwill. Let none none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none in anger or ill will wish harm on another. Even as a mother watches over her child, so with boundless mind, should one cherish all living things, radiating friendliness over the whole world, above, below, and all around without limit. Let's be. And now our first hymn, number 188, come, come, whoever you are.
2: And you want us to do it what, three times? three times it's it's pretty short so yeah right. yeah that's the whole thing on the screen
4: <laughs>
2: okay yeah
1: Let's join together with the affirmation. We affirm the unfailing renewal of life,
4: rising
1: Rising from the 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 earth earth, and reaching reaching for the sun, all living creatures shall fulfill themselves. themselves. We affirm the the steady growth of human companionship, rising rising from ancient cradles and reaching for the stars, people the world over shall seek the
3: ways of understanding.
1: We affirm a continuing hope that out of every tragedy, the spirits of individuals shall rise to build a better world. Now I have our antiphonal reading here, but I realized that I neglected to send wait, the words wait, out. Wait, 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 we're going to do a musical selection
2: first, and and uh, and I have uh, the antiphonal. I have the antiphonal reading on slides. When when we get to the oh, okay. I have it on slides
1: when we get to it. But, <laughs> right.
2: but first, first the musical <laughs> selection with Nancy. Okay, a
3: little more opera. Yes. This time uh, a piece called Bear Suits from the opera Jocelyn.
1: We'll start, and um, and then you folks can pick up on um, if you are black and I am white, and then we'll go line to line like that. The
2: way it's set up in the hymnal, the uh, the the uh, the congregation only responds by saying it, it will not matter. Okay. I, I, I put it the way it's set up in the hymnal.
1: Okay, that's fine too. If recognizing the interdependence of all life, we strive to build a community, the strength we gather will be our salvation. If you are black and I am white,
7: it will not matter. matter.
1: If you are female and I am male,
6: it will not matter.
1: If you are older and I am younger,
6: It it will not matter.
1: If you are Christian and I am Jewish, it will not matter. If we join spirits as brothers and sisters, the pain of our aloneness will be lessened. And that does not matter. In In the the spirit,
6: spirit, we build community and and move towards restoration. restoration.
1: Thank you, Richard, for your help. <laughs> RBG, likely everyone in those in this room. You're, the you're, rooms. Skipping,
2: you're skipping what you said was the next hymn.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still I'm still on vacation, I think. <laughs> okay. All right, so our next hymn. Number 297, A Star of Truth. I don't know why I keep missing that. I'll play
3: through the whole tune once. It's not a real familiar one. And then uh, I have trained Jim to sing it. Sort of. Follow the bouncing Jim.
1: likely everyone in these rooms knows those initials. More recently, especially since her death, I think they've become a household name or word, at least um, in the people that I hang around with. But this was not always the case. And about four years ago, after a meeting at my office, it's the place where all the hospice operations happens, I found myself surrounded by a group of young women near the elevator, Mm -hmm. fellow employees, nurses, home aides, office personnel. And I don't know why, but the words just came tumbling out of my mouth, an an impromptu speech about this woman. I let them know that many of the rights they have today were because of her. Sadly, only a couple of them had ever heard about her, Now these were 20, early 30-year-olds. Um, but I do hope that um, my little speech was enough to stir them onto more discovery. So RBG, born Joan Ruth Bader on March 15th, 1933, in Brooklyn, New York. She became the 107th Supreme Court Justice, only the second woman to be sworn in. That's two women out of 107. But this kind of bias was not new to her. She and the eight other women in her class at Harvard were asked by the Dean of Harvard Law their justification for taking a job from a qualified man. She was in the right place to open paths for the women of our country, the right place at Harvard, where she ultimately became a member of the Harvard Law Review, and in the right place on the bench of the highest court in our country, where she wrote the majority opinion in United States versus Virginia. The Virginia Military Institute, a traditionally men's only school of undergraduates, Policy was deemed by the court to be discriminatory based on the 14th Amendment. Justice Ginsburg's majority opinion broke the tie. It went on to become one of her most famous opinions for women's rights. She was in the right place because she believed in the Constitution and served according to constitutional law, even while acknowledging that it began as a glaring document of inequality which could only mirror the society in which it was written. Shy of offering rights to all the people, because at the time those who voted, those who held the power, were rich white male landowners. It was and is generally understood that the founders were tied to public opinion regarding status of women, Native Americans, people of color, and people of low economic status. It was Thurgood Marshall who elaborated to the court and the citizens that the original document did not really include we, the people. In spite of this, the judiciary believed that the Constitution and the amendment's consistency makes an effort to create equality. It is important to note that the framers wrote in Rebellion of Patriarchal Power. Ultimately, the Constitution was meant to grow with the people. The introduction and addition of of, of the Bill of Rights by James Madison protected the document and assured that it would live on. This led to the power of the courts to interpret law looking at rights of all individuals. And Justice Ginsburg definitely took advantage of that. We have come a long way with the help of this small woman who was a large person in our history. During her time on the bench, she consistently interpreted the intent of the founders by ruling with the rights of equality. She defended the constitution and the Bill of Rights as having moved up in the world, so to speak, by providing the flexibility to inclusivity. Taking advantage of this flexibility for inclusivity, she not only did incredible amounts for women, she ultimately stood up for gender equality. In a lecture she titled, A Decent Respect to the Opinions of Humankind which were words taken from the Declaration of Independence and Thomas Jefferson, she spoke of the importance of including laws of our other nations when deliberating on the bench. It was Thomas Jefferson who spoke of the reasoning to separate from the British colony and become independent, and it was to show a decent respect to the opinions of mankind. Justice Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg saw this creation of another nation, exposing us to being seen by other countries. And so there was a need to become comparative to other nations in lawmaking. We became a part of, and I quote, the world of nations. It was something that our founders and our beginning judicials were proud to call us. That being said, She lectured about the importance of international law, which she had a love for. Her initial interest in international law was born from studying the Swedish judicial system for a book she was asked to co-author. Through this work, she became very aware of how important it was to know the laws of other countries as we could help each other. So a case in point. Reed versus Reed from 1971, in which attorney Ginsburg used two foreign cases in her brief from the West German court. One ruled unconstitutional, a law stating that when parents disagree on the schooling of a child, the father always decides. And the other also ruled unconstitutional, the inheritance of the family farm to the eldest son as automatic, no matter where the sun fell in the order of children. Both of these had to do with gender discrimination. At this point in time, the German constitutional court held steadfast that equality of gender was in all cases to be customary. Justice Ginsburg learned during this time that our laws were behind those of our foreign counterparts and that we certainly could learn from them and that we could catch up. Knowing we could learn from them and they could learn from us, that the world might grow together. This was the value that she saw. So Reed, which was a case in Idaho, was the first case regarding gender discrimination in front of the Supreme Court, which is really important. And the court's first fateful opinion, which critically chained changed gender equality in the U.S. Sally Reed fought to be the administrator of her son's estate after his death. Idaho law stated that estate administrators must be male. Miss Reed won in Chief Justice Berger's court with a citation of equal protection under the 14th amendment. Although it may not seem so in our eyes, this was huge. Ginsburg took advantage of the changing world, citing excerpts from popular literature about the history of women's treatment, newly written feminist statements and essays, and to cover all the bases, writing about writings about racial discrimination. Up until this time, discrimination towards women and racial discrimination were not considered the same. The courts were well aware through the hard battles of the 60s, that there was certainly racial bias, but the common thought when it came to women, this was in 1960 and 70, the common thought when it came to women was that to deny a woman the right to join the military, for example, was a form of protection. Ginsburg's brief in this case was thorough. She was very careful not to alienate the more conservative justices and included theory from theology, philosophy, biology. She wrote with precision, respect, and with a genius thought process. And this was something that that I read in so many different places, that when she wrote her briefs, she did them with respect and a brilliant, brilliant way of using words. So through this particular case, Reed versus Reed, our laws were brought a bit further into the modern world, and we can, we can thank her for that. Ginsburg loved constitutional law and she loved international law, both because they afforded the opportunity to make the world a better place for all individuals. Now, it seems that the 1960s, a time in our country of citizenry unrest regarding almost everything the protests against the Vietnam War, the hunger sit-ins, free love, free music, the civil rights movement, Stonewall, everybody was fighting for recognition and change was the recognition and change, which was the perfect lead-in to the 1970s. It was 1972 when Attorney Ginsburg became the first tenured woman at Columbia Law School. She worked as a lawyer for the ACLU she eventually joined the ACLU and founded the Women's Rights Project. So being a highly regarded professor and a lawyer wasn't enough as she began to see and handle more and more sex discrimination cases through the ACLU. She joined the ACLU with these words, women's rights are an essential part of the overall human rights agenda trained on the equal dignity and ability to live in freedom all people should enjoy. The ACLU was for her the right place to be because of its intrinsic connection of civil liberties and civil rights. It was during this decade in which the hard work of the courts created many many changes improving women's status and gender equality in America. And that started with Sally Reed, who we talked about earlier. She did win the the right to administer her son's estate. And just a few cases later, survivors of social security benefits were granted to widowers, where they previously were only granted to widows. When the women of the household became unemployed, she was granted welfare benefits. Another law changed this to include the man of the household when he became unemployed. And ultimately women were granted the right to join the military. So Justice Ginsburg as a lawyer and as a judge didn't only work for women's rights. She also worked for gender rights. She tried to make the world equal for everybody. She was born into a Jewish family her Jewish upbringing was not the strictest, although she did have a few experiences where she was made aware of the prominence of the men over the women. These likely caused the beginnings of her championing for inequality, even within families. Outside of the family, her first exposure to the need for civil rights work in this country was through the activism of Rabbi Stephen S. Wise, who was a remarkable, Jewish leader during the time that Ruth was entering her teenage years. Rabbi Wise was quite vocal for civil rights and was one of the founders of the NAACP. She wrote, he was a champion of every righteous cause, Jew and Gentile alike came to hear him. She was only 13 years old when the rabbi made such an impact on her And it was at that age that the Ruth we knew began to truly kindle. Ruth married the love of her life, Marty Ginsburg, and raised her children in the Jewish tradition with all the rituals she grew to love with her family of origin. It was true that even though she found some of the narrow beliefs of Judaism go against her heart, she also found much of the history to be endearingly open to justice. She and her husband raised two good children, Jane, an attorney and professor at Columbia, and James, an owner of a classical record production company. Ruth was an avid believer in family first, then community, and then oneself. While at Harvard, Marty became sick. Ruth, while studying for herself, attended his classes and took notes for him so he could keep up. When he landed a job at New York law firm during her final year at Harvard, they moved from Boston to New York and she finished out her law degree at Columbia. And later when Ruth became a federal judge appointed by President Carter, they moved from New York to Washington, D.C. Washington, DC. It was truly an equal marriage. Ruth once said that Marty was the only man she ever met when she was young who was interested in her brain. (coughs) Honoring her after her death, Justice Sonia Sotomayor said, she was someone whose wisdom, kindness and unwavering support I could always rely on. Ruth lived a profoundly meaningful life and the numerous ways in which she changed ours will never be forgotten. Justice Elena Kagan, I will miss her, her intellect, her generosity, her sly wit, her manifest integrity, and her endless capacity for work for the rest of my life. And Chief Justice John G. Roberts Jr. calls her a tireless and resolute champion of justice. In seeing her life's work, it is clear that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, an American icon, daughter, mother, wife, brilliant student, loyal friend and colleague, an attorney, a judge, and finally, a justice for the highest court in our land. She believed in the inherent worth and dignity of every human being. She believed in democracy and the right of conscience. She believed in compassion, equality, and justice for all and she believed in a world community working together. She wasn't a Unitarian Universalist, but she's clearly fought for the ideals that we, as you use, hold dear. Let us always keep a place in our hearts for her and remember her with great gratitude and love. Amen. Blessed be. And now we will do our joys and concerns. Does anybody have something they want to share? Yes.
4: I do, I do. Hello. Hello. Well,
6: I'll say a couple of words about uh, Bob Gilson uh, and his wife, Betty. Uh, Bob, who died this week, uh, was uh, he was a terrific guy. He was he was kind of a wanderer, <laughs> in a lot of ways. He uh, was in the navy in World War Two. When he got out, he went to uh, watchmaking school at Waltham Watch Company,
0: <laughs>
6: and. Uh, he, uh, he actually did work uh, off and on here and there for jewelers, I think he was an appliance repair person, he was a bunch of things, and uh, he he played violin his whole life, and uh, he, uh, the last 30 years or so, uh, made violins, and uh, his shop... It, still there up in their their house uh, is the most, uh, is the neatest shop the world has ever seen. And uh, hanging in a closet are probably close to a dozen violins that he made. I don't know what's gonna happen to all that. Uh, But he, uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, uh, several of us from, First parish in Bridgewater uh, uh, helped him get a uh, clock down. He he worked on old clocks besides watches. And uh, there was a uh, big clock that hangs from the uh, uh, choir loft uh, that goes back to 1850 or so that we down and he worked on again and we got to back up finally and uh, that was about the last uh, clock that he worked on Uh, anyways terrific guy going to be buried down at uh, Bourne next week I guess uh, I'm going to
4: miss him a lot yeah so, uh, did he work for TikTok? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> <For> TikTok.
6: He <laughs> probably didn't have a clue about any of that. He <laughs> was pretty old school.
4: was <laughs> well,
0: do...
6: his, uh, his wife, Betty, who was uh, the uh, uh, pillar of uh, First Parish Church, would probably know all about that.
4: <laughs> all right, then. Well, so, so our announcement, uh, thank you for sharing that one, is that Catherine tells me that today is our anniversary.
5: <laughs> How many years?
0: Well, well,
4: so so that's a good question. Uh, no, no one seems to know, including me. <laughs> uh, time, time just flies when you're having fun. Don't you know? <laughs> Speaking of TikTok, do you, you, you remember
6: what year it was?
4: No, no, if I knew that, I'd have the answer to your question. Well, right. I'm, well, I'm,
0: well.
4: I'm guessing it was 2006, but that's only a guess. I, I know who ah, did it. Okay. Uh, it was the Reverend Guy Newton, who was my oldest friend, uh, and oldest friend in the ministry, too, for that matter. Uh, and he, he performed the ceremony in his home in Berkeley. Uh, so I suppose if we looked up the, uh, the wedding license, we'd find the answer to that question. <laughs> That's what I said right
3: here. Happy birthday to Kit this week. What? Happy what? birthday. Oh, thanks. Beth, Beth, Beth always wishes me happy birthday because she had a baby on my birthday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Happy birthday. I,
2: I have a, a brief thing to share I probably should have done earlier at announcement times. There's a, an organization called the United Interfaith Action that our church has been participating in. And they had a, a listening session uh, a couple of evenings ago and I went on, uh, I, this is by zoom and I attended uh, on behalf of the church and they were uh, trying to uh, come up with uh, issues to work on this year. They're going to have a final issues assembly on April 29th at 6 PM in which uh, all the different, all the different issues that have come up at the listening sessions will, will be on the table and uh, the organization will try to pick a small number to work on this coming year.
3: Thank you so much for doing that on our behalf, Richard. And, and probably, what, what Al, were you there too?
2: No. No, just me from the church. Yeah. I was supposed
7: so to. So much for doing
3: part. that. Yeah. Al, Al you're, mute. you're muted, honey. Al's talking, but we can't hear him.
7: Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, uh, I attended a bunch, uh, in the past, so I didn't, I don't, I didn't attend every single one. The, the attempt was to try to get every single community involved, uh, individually in each community. And then, and then to coalesce, uh, as, as, as the time went on. And so it was really good that, that a couple, uh, have attended some of the, some of the sessions to see what they're like. I was just going to suggest today that if, uh, we could have our own, um, and after the service, you know, uh, briefly for 15, you know, half, 15 minutes, uh, half hour or so. Uh, and we could, I could bring you everyone up to date on, on where the organization's at and, 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 you know, solicit some input for any additional kinds of, of, uh, uh actions that you would like us to, uh, partake in, uh, Coming forward, and yes, I'm glad that Richard did say that everyone, uh, everyone is invited to the uh, to the uh, final uh, session, which coalesces uh, uh, everyone, all the organizers, all the different groups uh, into a uh, final set uh, issues. So. <laughs>
1: And I would just like to acknowledge all of the silent concerns and uh, joys here today, those that we have have left unsaid and those that we carry in our hearts. This would be Uh, our prayer is called Be the Blessing You Already Are. In our religious tradition, it is not just ministers and religious professionals who have the power to bless. Each of you and each of us has the power to bless each other and to bless the world. Therefore, I invite you to participate in being aware during the week or whenever that you have the power to support each other and to bless each other and to, and certainly to talk with each other during the week. And as you hear these joys and concerns, to comfort each other. As we have been blessed, so we bless one another to be a blessing. Breathe in and breathe out. This breath we share with all that breathes. Feel the love of the universe flowing through this community into you and out into the universe again. Let the love of all the universe, your love, flow outward to its height, its depth, its broad extent. You are more than you know and more beloved than you know. Take up what power is yours to create safe haven, to make of earth a heaven. Give hope to those you encounter that they may know safety from inner and outer harm. Be happy and at peace, healthy and strong, caring and joyful. Be the blessing that you already are. That is enough. Amen. And now please join in a moment of silence. Amen. Blessed be. For our next song, number 123, Spirit of Life. Is the time where we do the offertory. Um, I know times are different right now, so just be mindful when you're sending your checks um, that you are generous with your with your help. The offertory comes from two Corinthians nine six through seven. The point is this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And also God loves those who give, even if they are grouchy. (laughs) Perfect. Now our final hymn. No, no, wait, wait. Uh, uh,
2: Kit is going to play some music here during the offertory. She
1: is? Oh, <laughs>
2: oh okay. well, maybe she's not. Maybe she's not.
3: <laughs> but you said Kit.
2: <laughs> Nancy is. Oh, na- na- sorry, Nancy. I, I meant Nancy.
0: Right.
3: Here it comes. <laughs> Say
0: anything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Was that another um, opera Nancy? Yes,
3: that was uh, from the Magic Flute.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Very it's nice. And now our final hymn. Is that our final hymn? Yeah. Number 298. Yes. have the extinguishing the flame words? No? No. I'm sorry if I didn't send them to you. Okay. As we extinguish our light, let us remember to carry it in all the things we do. Let us remember to see the light in all that we encounter and let us remember to merge our lights to work together for a better world. What actions are most excellent to gladden the heart of a human being, to feed the hungry, to help the afflicted, to lighten the sorrow of the sorrowful, to remove the wrongs of the injured? That person is most beloved of God. As we part today, let us find places to serve. Let us be that person until we meet again. Amen. Thank you.
2: Bravo. So, bravo.
6: And which one was that?
3: That one's Deflator Mouse. Deflator
4: the
6: bat mouse. mouse. The Bat. <laughs> yes.
3: I used to play that on the piano.
4: <laughs> That's why she's Batty today.
3: The, uh, at least one of the books that I had read about uh, RBG went into quite a bit of detail about her interest in opera throughout mm-hmm. her life. Yeah. which she shared with Antonin Scalia, which was probably the only thing she shared with him. But they were big friends. They were buddies. They were.
6: And they used yeah. to
3: attend operas together. And in fact, both at times had parts in the chorus of different opera productions in D.C., <laughs> did any big solos but <laughs> would go on stage and sing with
6: the chorus oh wow That's true. Mm. they were about mm. as far away uh, politically I guess as you possibly could be and but they were friends
1: I'd like to say thank you all to being here today at the Unitarian Church in Fall River, Massachusetts we are blessed to be here and it was a terrific and beautiful sermon today Uh, God bless you all, and hope to hear from you again. You can always follow us on Google, and Reverend Dr. David H. Ranky, and you'll come up with our segments on our church services that we have on the Internet. Thank you all for being here, and hope to see you or hear from you next week. Thank you, and God bless.